Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast. We are so excited you tuned into our Damage Good series, where Pastor Mike speaks on how to respond when life happens. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. So we're in part two of a series that we're calling Damaged Goods. And I don't know about you, but last week, God just revealed some stuff to me that, that all of us are damaged in some area. Um, and God's given us three parts. He's given us a, a soul, a body, and then a spirit. And I break it down like this. There's, we have the covering, which is our soul, the container, which is our body, and then our spirit, which is the contents that goes inside of all of that. And when we talk about being damaged, a lot of our mind, will, and emotions have been damaged. And a lot of our bodies have been damaged. But we think that's what God's looking for, is for the outside and what we're in to be perfect. But God told us last week that I don't care what condition your mind, will, and emotions are in, I can transform that. And I don't care what condition your body is in, no matter if you've been raped or if you've done things or you've stolen things or you use your body as an instrument of evil. He said, I don't care about that. I can redeem that. He said, because from the beginning of time, I placed my DNA, my spirit, I blew into man. I'm already too hyped, y'all. I'm already too hyped. But when you find out who you are, it allows you to be able to have a relationship with God and with others that is unmovable. Somebody say unmovable. But the problem is many of us have been damaged and we've been looking at the wrong things. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about different characters in the Bible who were damaged. People who were jacked up. People who had things happen to them and it kept them in a place where they felt like they couldn't move forward. Can we be real in this place? Life happens. Can we be honest? We have a culture here of being hot, which stands for being humble, open, and transparent. How many people has life happened to you? Come on, just hang it. Life happened. The unexpected, the, the uncalled for, the unintentional. Some of us, the very intentional. You knew what you was doing. But life happens. Everybody say, life happens. But the truth is, many of us are still dealing with the negative effects of life happening to us. We've been damaged emotionally, damaged spiritually, damaged even in our speech. We, something good happens to us, and we can't even speak well of it because something happened that, that we're disappointed every time we get our hopes up. And so we try to stay back so that we never have an expectation. And, and, and we've been damaged in an area. Some of us, our families have been damaged. It's so dysfunctional that you think it's normal. There, there's so many dysfunctions happening within yourself. Now you're repeating it to another generation and things you said you would never say to your kids. Bloop, it just comes out. <laughs> damaged. But, but what do we do with our damaged areas? Some of, us are, some of us are financially damaged. Can I help you? You've made more money than all your, the generations before you, but we're still living paycheck to paycheck. 
we're still getting things cut off every month and every week, and we're still going. And it's not because God hasn't blessed us. It's because there's an area in our life that has been damaged and been left alone. See, there's no problem with having a damaged area. There is problem with having a damaged area that has not been confronted. And many of us in the church, we've done a bad job because we make it a place where you have to come and hide your damaged areas. Oh, it's church time. Put on your best clothes. Put on your stuff. Walk. Hi. God bless you. When somebody says, how are you doing? That's just a phrase to say fine. They don't really want to know how you're doing. They don't really want to know what's going on. I mean, if we were honest, some of our conversation would go like this. How you doing? I'm horrible. This week was hard. I got caught in a lie this week. My job may be on the line. But when the last time you came in church and said that? Somebody says, how are you doing? Everything's fine. You were outside of somebody else's house last night in your drawers. I'm not telling you stuff I'm making up. I'm telling you stuff that has happened, okay? And somebody asks you, how you doing? But everything's good. Got my clothes in time for church. But do you understand what I'm saying? So if we have to come into the place of healing and hide our damaged area, then how do we ever get healed? How do we ever change? How, how do we ever become who God created us to be. See, this is why this is so important, and I want everybody to hear me. If you're taking notes, which everybody should be taking notes, if you've got a smartphone, a dumb phone, a piece of paper, get, get a pad, get something, because what we believe is um, it's proven that when you write things down, you retain it better, and then you can have something to go back to during the week when the trial comes. You're going to be like, uh-uh, I'm about to cuss them out. Where are my notes? <laughs> like, you understand what I'm saying? It, it'll just help you be able to get in a rhythm of studying the Word and studying the Bible, but this is one thing I want you to understand, is that you have to acknowledge your damaged areas, because if you don't, they turn into your excuses for reaching purpose. You missed it. If you don't acknowledge your damaged area and give it to God, it will become your excuse of why you cannot reach purpose. So what happens is, you were talked about when you were younger, and then you developed insecurities. And so now, anytime that it's time for you to be up front or be in front of people, you're damaged in that area, you don't do it. And so somebody says, hey, man, you got the capability to do that. Why don't you do that? And you will turn it into your excuse of why you cannot reach purpose because you were damaged in this area. Well, I had to file for bankruptcy, and since I filed for bankruptcy, there's no way I can really live this blessed life like you're talking about because I started from behind. It'll become your excuse. I've been in churches all my life where the ministers or the pastors abused people, and so now I don't want to answer the call of God on my life because you were damaged in the church. Now it's become your excuse why you can't touch people. I, I, I just want everybody to hear me. That this series is not a woe is me series. This series is an identify it series. There it is. See, the Bible tells us that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. We just have a part to play. We got to point it out. There it is. There's my insecurity. There it is. There's my pride, God. Oh, what, what do you need, God? What do I need from you? I need you to come heal this damaged area. 
this problem. I get overwhelmed by success. I need you to help me be able to handle what you've called me to be. What area of your life is damaged? Because when you identify it, then God can heal it. When God heals it, it's no longer an excuse. And the thing that God wants more than anything in your life is for you to live in purpose. Many people exist. Many people participate in things, but many aren't living in purpose because purpose can only be defined by a creator. And if you're damaged, you will not let the creator tell you, show you, give you a purpose. Do you know how many people make a plan? Like Fatima was up here saying earlier, she says she made a plan because she wanted something to happen. And when God says, no, 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 no. If you wait on my timing, if you just wait on me, I'll put you in purpose where she would have had to be in New York working nine to nine. I mean, New York is expensive. It's the second most expensive place to live. There was no provision yet. And that maybe needs to be a sign to some of you where God's provision is not there. You might not need to go. That relationship you're trying to be in. <laughs> and God's provision is not there, that may be a sign that that's not God for you right now. But when you wait on the Lord, when you get in his purpose for your life, then provision, he's not going to show you everything. I heard it like this. He may show you the mountaintop and not the road in front of you, or he may show you the road and not the mountaintop, but you got enough to keep moving. And when we get in purpose, Everything changes in your life. I declare and decree over your life today that as God begins to heal the damaged areas of your life, of your family, of your mindsets, that you are going to move into purpose. This is your year of purpose. Everybody shout at me purpose. No more just doing things and wasting time. No more just going around the mulberry bush over and over and over. God's going to give you purpose. But if he showed it to you, would you make an excuse? Because he gave it to Moses. I need you, Moses. Check, check this out. Whole children of Israel is struggling, dying. They don't have a leader. Two million people. They're in slavery. I got a job for you that's bigger than anything you've ever done. I want you to go to speak to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And because Moses was damaged because somebody talked about his speech impediment, when God needed him, he made an excuse that I can't do this because I, 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 I have, I, 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 I don't know what to say. Would that be said of you? That when God says, it's time for you to run that company, it's time for you to go touch those kids, it's time for you to start that nonprofit, it's time for you to leave this place and go to that place, would our damaged areas get a mouth? and start making excuses of why we cannot be and do everything God's called us to be and do. So today, we're going to start putting an ax on all of our damaged areas by asking God to come in and heal our damaged area. So I'm going to give you point number one. It was basically the point from last week, but I want everybody to hear this and say it, and let it be said very clear. We're all damaged goods. I need everybody to hear me say that. You, you are damaged in some area. It may not be the same area I'm damaged in, but there's some area that you're damaged. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 12, it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, 
And in this way, death came to all people. That's all of us. Because all sinned. Let me give you a definition of damaged goods, okay? Because everybody needs to see this very clearly. Um, damaged goods is are a person regarded as inadequate or impaired in some way. Inadequate or impaired in some way. Now, I want you to just think, where's an area that you're inadequate and impaired in some way? Uh, and, and some of you are like, Pastor Mike, I've not thought about this stuff in years. That's why we're talking about it. Some of us, okay, I'm going to talk to some people right now. How many people have that line that if somebody pushes you over that line, you black out? Come on, let's be honest. Come on. The, the, come on. Some of y'all are some blackouts. I don't even know what happened. The police is there. The chandelier, your, your hat on the chandelier. You don't even know what happened. So anger is a place that is damaged. Your emotional capacity to be able to handle hard situation is damaged right there. Some of us, anytime we get lonely, we'll go looking for anybody and anything to show us attention. I mean, everything's good and then you just have one moment of feeling lonely. And what I'm saying in this is, is that if we're inadequate or impaired, it makes us do things that are not like God. See, damaged goods is someone who was once healthy and normal but isn't anymore due to unfortunate, traumatic events in his or her life. My question is, what area are you damaged? What area is still sensitive if somebody talks about it? Come on. If somebody starts moving around your father issue, is it still sore there? If somebody talks about, well, why didn't you graduate when they graduated? Uh-oh. It's sore because you have a, a, a spot of shame or, or a spot. Or why did you have to move out of that big house y'all had? Remember the big one that we had Thanksgiving at? Why y'all in this apartment? See, see, those are areas that we haven't talked about. I thought you were married. Last time I saw you, you was talking about how everything was good. Now you're single. Is everything okay? Did they die? No. no. Oh, hey. No, they're right there. Well, and see that shame, that guilt, that condemnation that the enemy tries to play on us. See, now you got a record. And you'll never, ever be able to have the job because nobody will hire a felon. And you accept these lies of the enemy that begin to replay in your heart and your mind. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Who said that? Not the God that I serve. The one who tells us any man that be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, I made up. But what are you believing? So I want everybody to start identifying your damaged areas. As we look at a character who was damaged named Mephibosheth, um, this, this is a character that may not have been talked about a lot, but we can learn a lot from this Old Testament character. And, and I want you to be able to see yourself in this story of, of how he got damaged and how God restored him. I want everybody to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. And this is where we're going to start. It says, 
Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was lame or damaged in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. Okay, so the power of this passage is found in the context of the character. So I'm going to try to help you with this, okay? Because everybody doesn't know this story, so I'm going to try to sum it up real quick. And I see in movies, okay, so um, I'm going to put some faces on the screen and some characters to just help you get a picture of what I feel like these characters look like. Now, this in no way is biblically correct or accurate, okay? But I just want you to be able to see this. So this is Saul in my mind. I'm going to introduce these characters to you. Um, the first character that we're going to put on the screen, his name is Saul. And I want you to know that Saul is the king of Israel at this time. This is what Saul looks like to me. Um, he's the king of Israel at this time, okay? And, and he once walked with God and was anointed and was powerful, but he started doing things without God. And God took his anointing away from him. I, I want to help you understand something that has nothing to do with my message. But if, if you, you were with God and it got you to a place, stay with God because it'll keep you in that place. And, and Saul started doing things his own way. So now his anointing has come off. He, he's doing stuff that's stupid. He, he's not making wise decisions. And, and now Saul um, um, is going to lose the, the reign at some point. Saul has a son. His son name is Jonathan, okay? Now, Jonathan is the heir to the throne, okay? Some of y'all ladies stop fanning, okay? It's just, okay? It's just Idris, okay? Um, th this is what he looks like in my mind. He, he's the heir to the throne. He's the one that's supposed to be taking over, but he sees that his dad's kingdom is starting to crumble, okay? And Jonathan has a son, and his name is Mephibosheth, okay? I want everybody to see this. Mephibosheth is the one that's damaged, okay? This is who we're talking about. So Saul had a son. His name is Jonathan. Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth who was damaged at five years old. Now, the thing you got to realize is Jonathan... And the, the soon-to-be king, David, this is what David looks like in my mind. You know, David that slew Goliath and all of that other stuff. I don't know why. He just, he just big and just Thor-like. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so this is David. David and Jonathan are best friends. David and Jonathan have a relationship like no other on the earth. I mean, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 18, it says Jonathan was knitted to the soul of David. Like, I don't know how you could be closer or BFFs more than that with our souls knitted together, but they were close. And, and, and so I want you to be able to see this as we read through this so that you can understand that Saul is a person who's about to lose his kingdom. Jonathan is his son, and he is a, a supposed to be taken over the throne, but he knows it's probably not going to happen. He has a son that gets damaged at five years old, and David is the one that's going to end up taking over the kingdom. So let's go back to 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, okay? Mephibosheth's nurse picked him up after the news came that Jonathan and, and Saul had died, and they fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. She dropped him. His name was Mephibosheth. So I want you to see, I want you to see this very clearly. 
They're in war, Saul and Jonathan, and the Philistines are coming to kill them. Okay? That's, that's Goliath's family. Y'all know the Philistines, that's Goliath's people. Okay? Jonathan gets killed by a Philistine, and Saul, he knows his time is coming to an end, and so he asks his armor bearer, he says, just kill me. Kill me. I don't want them to kill me. You kill me. And the armor bearer is like, uh-uh, because if I kill you, then somebody else is going to come kill me. You kill yourself. <laughs> and Saul, being a prideful man, the Bible tells us that he fell on his own sword, committed suicide. So word comes back to the palace where all of their family is staying, and it's like, yo, whoop, whoop, uh-oh, uh-oh, it's time to go. Our king and the next in line have died in the same day. It's time for us to get up out of here. So there's this one nurse, her name is Susie in my head. <laughs> Susie's done everything right that she's supposed to do. And then Susie's like, oh my God, oh my God, I don't know what's gonna happen. And she sees Mephibosheth running, playing in perfect condition, nothing wrong with him. No even concept of what is going on around him. He's innocent. Susie picks him up and starts to run up the stairs, but she wears size 17 shoes back in that day. They didn't make sandals quite that. And she trips and drops Mephibosheth. And at the moment she drops him, he becomes crippled. Now, many of us are damaged because of our own decisions. But what happens when you're damaged because of the decisions of someone else? Today, the title of this message is, But It's Not My Fault. You're damaged goods, but it's not your fault. What do you do? When you were playing, when you were young, when, when, when you were starting out, when you were fresh in something and you were exposed to something by somebody else that damaged you. What happens when you're a young man or a young woman and an older cousin or an older uncle or an older friend exposes you to perversion and pornography? You're damaged and it wasn't your fault. What happens when you grew up in a family that their pride never let them tell the truth so you learn to keep secrets as a way of preserving and protecting your reputation? You were damaged and it wasn't even your fault. What do you do when you stand in a position of power and you saw the elders and the ones go before you keep that position by manipulation and hurting others? And putting others down and you learn that that's the only way to stay in a power position you were damaged and it wasn't your fault what happens if you were sexually molested as a child and some of you you're saying pastor Mike dang you're going so deep in this I don't know what your situation is but it was it happened to you and it wasn't your fault some people got raised in environments where drugs were everywhere you had no option except to pick up something and put it in your mouth and see what happened some of us were raised in religion see some of y'all thought it was just drugs and sex and religion so you got enough of God to play church but you lived a completely contrary life behind the scenes, damaged, and it wasn't 
your fault. This is Mephibosheth's whole story that before he had the, got to the place where he could make a decision for himself, he was dropped. In one moment, his whole life changed. He lost his grandfather. He lost his father. He lost his home. He lost his trust in others to protect him. He lost his ability to walk and he lost his identity. He went from being royalty to on the run. How many places in our life have we went from being royalty to then running from what was once what God called us to do and be? But today, as we learn that Mephibosheth was damaged goods and that we're damaged goods, we're going to see what God did to restore this man into everything that God has called him to be. And he's going to do the same thing with you. I'm here to declare to you that every damaged area of your life, everything that has been broken in your mental place, everything that has been broken in your heart, that God has a way to take crippled situations, damaged places, and turn them around for his glory. There's a thing in the Bible, if you study, called types and shadows. And it's basically an Old Testament truth that that, that tells us of a New Testament truth, an Old Testament story that gives us a New Testament truth. So this is in the, the Old Testament. And so I want you to see this, that Mephibosheth represents all of us, damaged people, and David, the king, represents God. And let's see as we read through the rest of this story what God will do. It tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 9, I want you to turn there, 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we'll read in verse one. It says, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now watch. Saul died. Jonathan died. Some time went by. David is the king now. He's walking around the palace one day and he was like, hmm, is there somebody from the house of Saul and see, some of y'all got to know the backstory. This, this is where grace comes in because Saul was trying to kill David. It doesn't even make sense for David to want to do anything nice for anybody related to Saul because Saul tried to kill David, but David's not hung up on haters. David's not hung up on what happened. He's in the position and the place and the purpose he's supposed to be. So now he can walk in the full authority of who God's called him to be. I want you to see that you stop worrying about people who tried to do stuff to you when you're in purpose. So David now is in purpose. And he says, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to because I had a real relationship with Jonathan? I had a close relationship with somebody. And the Bible tells us that in 1 Samuel chapter 20, Jonathan and David had a conversation. He knew that his, his dad was trying to kill David and there was this dinner that they planned. And, and I hope you guys, I'm giving a lot of Bible and a lot of scripture. This is through a lot of chapters, but I hope you fall in love with the Bible, how I fall in love with the Bible. Because once you get a, a, a place of listening to God's word and hearing revelation, it'll start to change your whole life. So there's another place in the Bible where Jonathan and David are sitting there and he's like, yeah, bro, you know that dinner my dad invited you to tonight? He's going to try to kill you tonight. Don't come. And 
David's like, for real, bro? He's like, yeah, I heard him talking about it. They're going to poison you, and then you're going to be out of here. So just, I mean, get sick, get the BGs, and just don't come, okay? And so David was like, thank you for that. But then Jonathan said, I got one thing to ask, and this is, this is where this comes in. He says, don't ever cut off your favor, because I know God's taking you places. Don't ever cut off your favor from me and my family. And David and Jonathan made a covenant there. He said, as long as I'm in control, I'll make sure not to do this. It's amazing that you remember the people who helped you get to where you're at. See, see people who are insecure won't, won't remember. But now David, Jonathan's dead. David is in the palace. And he says, man, I remember making a covenant with Jonathan. I miss my boy, R.I.P., Jonathan, R.I.P. Is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Verse 2, it says, now there was a servant of Saul's household. He used to work for Saul named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there not one person still alive from the house of Saul to who I can show God's kindness to? Ziba answered the king. They're still the son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at that house, the house of maker, the son of a meal in Lodabar. Um, This is what I want you to understand is in both places that you hear about Mephibosheth, everybody explains his condition before they even say his name. They, they, They explain that he's crippled where he's at but they never say his name. And the word Mephibosheth means breathing shame. It's almost like, please don't name your kid Mephibosheth, okay? But they're literally prophesying over him every time they're saying his name, breathing shame, breathing shame, breathing shame. What have you continued to replay in your mind that is speaking over your destiny? They, they defined his his condition, and then they say he's in Lodabar, and, and that's a place that nobody really should go, and, and, and yeah, his name is Mephibosheth. See, the thing I want you to understand is that people will try to label you by what has damaged you. Oh, yeah, that's that girl who was a hoe. And that, oh, that was the person who got mixed up in that, that financial uh, racketeering thing. They try to describe, but God has given you a name. And when you come into Christ, he says, I change your name. I call you my own. I give you my identity. Your blood begins to run through my, your veins. I need you to hear me say this. I don't care how damaged you are. When you come into Christ, he changed your name. You no longer have to answer to addict. You no longer have to answer to religious. You no longer have to answer to those things, but people will still try to call you what you used to be. You got to stop answering. People will try to call you what you used to be, but you have to stop answering. Point number two in this sermon is I want you to realize is the king. God is pursuing you. See, Mephibosheth is in a place they call Lodabar. 
and the king is in a palace thinking about him in a broken place. The same way that you may be in a broken situation right now, and the king of the universe is thinking how he can make a way in your situation. Somebody needed to come in here to hear me say to you that the king, our God, the God of the universe, he is pursuing you. And this is the thing that I love about God, that God wants to show you his kindness and his goodness. He wants to heal you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to make you have a better life free from bondages. He wants to pursue you. He is looking for you. And he uses people, situations, and things to get your attention. Some of you have been like, God, why am I in this season? Why is this all helping? Because he's pursuing you. He's trying to get you in a place where you'll recognize and know that he loves you, that he's passionately in love with you, that he's never left you. And while you were running the other things, he was still running after you. And while you were going the other way, he was still following behind you. There's nothing you can do to stop God. He has a tracking device on you. You can go anywhere. And he's like, hello, I'm here. Go to that other person's house. Sleep with them. I was here the whole time. Go, go over there and try to run from the call of God on your life. I was here the whole time. I came to let you know that God has a tracking device on you and you can run, but you can't hide. He is going to get everything he placed on the inside of you. And you need to know the king is pursuing you. See, some of us don't understand grace. That's the unmerited, unearned, undeserved kindness and favor of God. And when you don't understand grace, then you try to work it out yourself. You get into works, but God is pursuing you. And I don't care what area is damaged in you. He's trying to come after you. Even when you're faithless, he's faithful. When you stop coming to church, he never stops coming after you. When you start backpedaling, he keeps coming to, because he knows what he placed inside of you. And under the hurt, under the pain, under the rips, under the disappointment, he knows that there is a child that has the ability to reach purpose. So this is what happens in Mephibosheth's life that the king is pursuing him. I, I want you to hear me say this because somebody I just sense so strongly that's in depression right now and, and literally in wondering right now. Jeremiah 29 11 tells us that God has a plan for our life, a plan to prosper us. It's a good plan. A plan to give us hope and to give us a future. And if you don't believe that, you don't believe the king is coming after you, you'll stay in a place called Lodabar. Pastor Mike, what is Lodabar? If you look it up in the Hebrew, it means a place of no pasture, a place where nothing grows, a place that has been forgotten. And many of us are in a place today that we feel like people have forgotten us. They forgot we were damaged in that area. They always ask you, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just do better? Why can't you just do something else? Why can't you? And they forgot what happened when you were damaged. And some of us even think God's forgotten about us. If we're honest about it, God, if you're so good, then why did this happen? See, today is not an amen sermon. This is a sermon where I want it to penetrate the depths of your heart. 
I want you to begin to see maybe there's an area in me that I've been trying to mask. Like it's all good, but I'm really damaged in that area. And this is what you have to understand that no matter what place you're in, that's Lodabar, the place of embarrassment, the place that is forgotten, the king is still looking for you in that place. Let me just give you point number three. The king doesn't care where you are now. Hear me say this. David did not say when he asked, is there anybody I can show favor to? He didn't ask, where is he first? How jacked up is he? What condition is he in? Is he still smoking a little bit? Is he still drinking a little bit? Is he still two-stepping out at midnight a little bit? Are they still stealing? He didn't ask none of those questions. He said, where are they? The thing I want you to realize is God doesn't care the condition you're in right now. See, religious people at this moment, they're like, oh my God, I've heard this before, but you forgot where you used to be. See, see, you forgot how jacked up you were five years ago. And you come in here and all religious and you got your Gucci suit on and everything is good, hair pressed and all that. But if we were to pull back the cover on your mess and where God brought you from, hear me. The reason that I stay humble in this position is because I know where I was six years ago. I know what I was thinking, but God, seeing me in my worst place, said, I don't care where he's at. I'm coming after him. Be encouraged today that some of you are in desperate situations. You're in backwards thinking. Religion has filled up every area of your body and you're so judgmental, but God says, I'll take you right there. If you would just open your heart to me, I'll come. And matter of fact, all you got to do is repent, which means to turn. See, because if you, if somebody's chasing after you and you stop running and you turn, you run into each other. See, many people think that you got to run to God. All you got to do is turn, the Bible tells us. Repent, and he's standing right there. He doesn't care where you're at now. Lodabar, the place of no pasture. I, I can see it now. I literally can see it because the enemy has come to lie to you that there's no way out of this situation. There's no way out of this abuse. There's no way out of lying. There's no way. I've been doing it so long, Pastor Mike. I've been seductive so long. Like I like this attention from guys. So I've been doing it so long. I don't even know anything else. I've been, I've been treating my kids that way for so long. I don't know if there's anything else. And God says, I will find you in Lodabar, in a place that you thought was forgotten. I can see Mephibosheth right there. Remember, he's crippled. And, and I can see him sitting down probably just sitting there like, hey, bro, can you, uh, can you pass me the peanut butter and jelly, bro? You see my situation. Pa pass it to me. He's sitting there, and then one of his boys comes in, and he was like, the king's guards are here. Oh, no, bro. Bro, hide me, bro. Can you see me? Can you see me? Bro, they're coming to get me. They're coming to get me. Pick me up. Take me somewhere. See, the thing that you don't realize is at this moment, Mephibosheth is probably trying to make a way for himself. Mephibosheth is probably trying to see where, where, what he can do to get out because if the king's guards are coming for him, 
it probably means in Mephibosheth's mind that they're coming to kill him. I want everybody to see that his, his grandfather was killed, then his father was killed, and if a new king comes in to take over a monarchy, they usually kill every son. So there's no chance that anybody else could be king. So we don't know how long he's been sitting here, but he's been hiding out for years, staying in a place of shame, hoping not to be killed. Um, and, and now they're coming for him. His boy said, uh, bro, I love you. I know we would say we were boys to the end, but I got to get out of here because I don't want to be a part of this. Mephibosheth sitting in a place of loneliness and brokenness. And then the guards come in. Boom, 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 boom. Hello? Are you Mephibosheth? <laughs> yes. What a horrible name. Come with us. And he sits there because he can't move on his own. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. He couldn't get out of the situation by himself. The Bible doesn't say this, but when the king sent the people for him, there's no way he could get to the king by himself. So the guards had to have picked him this is why relationship is so important because when you're down in your situation and you're jacked up in your stuff and the king is calling for you, there's not a way that you can get there by yourself because you've been too damaged. But if I could get, if I could just get a couple people to help me up, to take me to the king. Hear me, hear me say this. If you're not in a small group or a belong group, there's probably a damaged area that you have left alone that you need people around you to help you get healed in. I'm telling you, man, these belong groups aren't, they're where healing happens for us. When you get in these belong groups, God will start unearthing things that were there the whole time and he'll let you walk with people so you can get to the place where the king can heal you. Mephibosheth gets into the presence of the king. And I want you to see this, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6. It said, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to King David, he bowed down to pay him honor. Mephibosheth knew what he deserved. He knew he deserved to die. So when he got into the presence of the king, he wasn't prideful. He wasn't defensive. It was my nurse's fault. Susie, you remember Susie? It's, Susie did it. He didn't start blaming people. He, did, he, he didn't start trying to lie. He humbled himself and he bowed before the king. It's like the posture that all of us need to take when we know we're damaged and we come into the presence of the king. Many of us try to make excuses of why we're the way we are. We've been this way. God said, I know you have a short temper. I know you always gossip. I know. Stop making excuses for it and just humble yourself and bow and say, God, here I am. All of me broken, my habits, my hurts, my hobbies that are not. Here it is. 
And David tells us because James, I mean, Mephibosheth shows us what to do in front of the king when he bows before David. And James 4.10, I want you to write this scripture down because it helps me all the time. It says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. See, if you come at a humbled position, then God will be the one to lift you up. You won't have to lift yourself. You won't have to promote yourself. You won't have to try to get your positioning and make others feel small. God said, if you humble yourself before me, keep serving in that area where nobody sees you. Keep going to that job because I told you to be there. Go ahead and finish that degree at TCC and you ain't going to have nobody at your graduation. But get what I want because you'll be in the position that I want you to be in when it's time for me to lift you up. Do not be discouraged by where you're at. He said, just humble yourself with where you're at and I'll lift you up. And at this moment, when Mephibosheth humbly bows, the king calls him by name. The king was the only one who didn't call him by his condition first. He, he called him by his name first. David never referenced Mephibosheth's condition in this entire passage because he knew that whatever his condition was, he was now in the best place to get the best care because he was in the presence of the king. I'm here to tell you that God's calling you by name today. Yes. Through this message, yeah, you're jacked up. Yeah, there's crippled area. Yeah, there's places that are still deficient, but God's not calling you by broken. He's not calling you by damaged. He's not calling you by your problems and your pain. He's calling you by name. And when he called Mephibosheth's name in verse 7, he said, I'm at your service. I'm at whatever you want me to do, I'm at your service. And look how King David replied back to him and how God replies back to us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He says, for I'm going to surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. My last point today is no matter what you are in, if you humbly bring it to the king, you need to not be afraid. Don't be afraid because the king is about to bless you. Don't be afraid because God is looking to be Jehovah Jireh, your provider. God is looking to take all your bad situations, all your mistakes, all your missteps, and he wants to put that in a stew of blessing. Y'all know about stews. That it, 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 it's a concoction of basically anything you want to put in there. You, you can throw in stuff that you don't even think goes with it, but as it sits in there and it simmers together, what it does is it begins to take nutrients from things that may be a little sour and things that may be a little sweet, and it brings together the tartness of, of this vegetable and, and the savoriness of this, and it begins to work together. And you put it under a little heat, a little pressure, a, a little season. See, some of y'all ain't never cooked before, so you don't know nothing about no stew. But what I'm telling you is, is that when you get stew, it, it, most stews that I've had that are good, I don't even know what's in it. You, you don't even know what's in it. But when you taste it, everything has worked together for the good of my belly. And I'm telling you 
that your tart situations, your broken situations, your mishaps, God's putting together and he's stirring it up and he's trying to make something that people will be able to eat off of and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can get through our TC app or our website at transformchurch.us slash give. And don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and live a transformed life.